0: It's great to see you guys. If I don't know you, my name is David, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Redeemer. And we are in week two of a series that uh, we, we just started called Anxious for Nothing. Anxious for Nothing, what's it about? Well, these four weeks, what we're doing is we're having a conversation about anxiety. We're really having a conversation about like our experience of it, really trying to understand it. We're trying to get underneath it, find out what's behind it, and, and even more than that, we're, we're sitting in a scripture, uh, Philippians 4, 4-8, one passage of the Bible that really uniquely speaks to anxiety, that can really help us learn how to deal with it and navigate it and manage it and let faith kind of really speak to the fear and the fret that's in our lives, that's that's right there with our anxiety. And so that's what we're doing. And uh, I wanted to start today a little bit lighter. This is really kind of a heavy topic. Last week we started fairly heavy. And I found uh, a little gem on the internet that I thought was really funny. Um, it's, uh, it's titled, uh, it's a humor piece, and it's titled, Your New uh, Generalized Anxiety Home Security System your new generalized anxiety home security system. And it imagines that you buy a security system, and these are the instructions that you're reading. And it's actually written by uh, a woman named Ryan Kantz who uh, herself struggles with something called generalized anxiety disorder. What is that? Well, it means that she kind of has uh, regular struggles with anxiety that all of us have about general things that come up in life. However, her experience is heightened. It's more significant. It, uh, it It's even a little disordered, uh, uh, to, to use the term. And we talked about this last week. Like, there are some forms of anxiety that r- we really do have to think a little differently about that are complex and that really uh, need to have a, a, another conversation. But one of the things that I really appreciate about her <laughs> in, in this piece is that even in her experience that isn't always good, she's able to see some humor in it. She's able to laugh about it a little, which is, which is oftentimes a very healthy way to deal with what's going on in our lives. And so she wrote this little piece For The New Yorker called Your New Generalized Anxiety Home Security System. Let me read it with you. It is okay to laugh here, okay? So these are your reading instructions to your new uh, Generalized Home Anxiety Security System. Here you go. Hello, and thank you for your recent purchase of a Generalized Anxiety Home Security System. To get started, simply install Generalized Anxiety Home Security System sensors on your front door, and then on your bedroom door, and then on your kitchen door and then on your bathroom door and then on your closet doors and then maybe put another one in your bedroom just to be safe. You never can be too safe. You also can never be fully safe, right? One perk of your generalized anxiety home security system is that it remains on 24-7. Yay, you cannot turn it off no matter how hard you try. In fact, the harder you try to turn it off, the harder the security system works. That's the generalized anxiety home security system guarantee. You'll be happy to know also that the generalized anxiety home security system now comes with something called early alert, a feature that alerts you to dangers before the system has even identified what those dangers are. (laughs) If you have a nagging feeling that something is wrong but you can't figure out what it is, that just means that early alert is working. Your generalized anxiety home security system also includes patented 2 a.m. alert technology which rouses you in the middle of the night to warn you of potential dangers, such as, did you, s- did you talk too much at Casey's party? Have you been saying hors d'oeuvres wrong this whole time? <laughs> Are your toes wrong? That one's funny. In kindergarten, you were accused of peeing your pants even though you hadn't. Is it too late to contact your entire class and set the record straight? <laughs> Do all of your friends have a separate group text where they talk about all the dumb things you say in the original group text. (laughs) Uh, Would it be worse for you to get cancer or for your spouse to get cancer? You must decide immediately. You have a meeting six weeks from now. Start to list all the ways that it could go wrong, right? You get the idea, right? Not good. This is not helpful, right? Uh, That is uh, an interesting uh, way to look at it. Uh, But what I want to do is talk about something that is going to help. Uh, what will help and that's where we're going to look in our scripture today. Today's message is titled learning disruptive prayer and we're going to hone in on uh, Philippians 4 6. Uh, we're actually going to read the whole verse because I think it's important for us to hear it again in context and uh, last week uh, if you were here or if you missed it, I actually challenged you guys to memorize this entire passage of scripture. Philippians 4 Uh, verses 4 through 8, I want to challenge you to memorize it. Why? Uh, I'm not giving you busy work. I really am not. I hate busy work. What I'm doing is giving you something that I think will help when you experience anxiety. If you can get these words in your mind and thereby get them embedded in your heart, what happens, what will happen is that when you face anxiety, you're going to have a tool that you can pull out, a sword that you can pull out and fight it with. And, and you can speak it over what you're experiencing. And I promise you it will help. It's helped me. I know it helps all kinds of people. It's kind of what the message today is all about. And, uh, and I would challenge you to do it. It's not that hard. Please don't get anxious about it. I actually did it this last week while sitting in a tree for an hour. Okay? It was, it, you, you can do it too. Okay? All right. What I want to do is pray. Uh, and, and then we'll open up our Bible and read. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. I just thank you for the chance to be here this morning to come together and gather and, and worship and remember who you are in our life. Lord, we uh, know that our faith is weak sometimes. We know that we are definitely broken inside, but Jesus, we offer that to you this morning. We come to you as the great healer, as the one that can speak into our fears and our failures, the one who uh, by the power of your spirit um moves us uh to to be the people you've made us to be to follow your grace to to become more like jesus to 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 experience relief from the things that we need to experience relief from in our lives and we ask you for that as we open your word as we talk about this top this topic that we all experience lord uh i just pray that your holy spirit would be at work in our lives speaking to us making this real letting us know how you want us to respond and may the words of my mouth and Lord, the meditations of all our hearts today be pleasing in your sight. Jesus, you alone are a rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Philippians four verses four through eight. if you memorized it, you can say it aloud uh, with me. Actually, uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we read it together? How's that sound? Yeah, OK. You, we didn't do this in the other services. This is spontaneous. Yeah, lucky, you guys, ready? OK. <laughs> One, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again: rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Great, thank you. Good reading, guys. All right, um, so we're going to, uh, we did verse four and a little bit of five last week we're looking at verse six and I want to read it again just so you can hear it and it's fresh do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your quest to God when I first read this verse and actually honestly when I first read the whole passage this is the verse that really jumped off the page at me this is the thing that immediately caught my attention because uh Paul really sets a high bar for us here, it seems, when it comes to the conversation on anxiety. He says, do not be anxious about what? Anything. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing Nothing there is supposed to cause us anxiety, it seems to say there in the passage. And what's incredible is he doesn't seem to offer us much leeway or wiggle room in this thing called anxiety, which we talked about last week, is really pretty complex. He doesn't have space for nuance. There, there isn't conditions or qualifiers. It he doesn't say be anxious less. He doesn't say um, do not be anxious for more than six hours at a time and then contact your medical professional. Right. He doesn't say do not be anxious and then let us have uh, an excuse for really anxious building scenarios like while you're driving in Houston during rush hour on two eighty eight in construction. Right. Like there are lots of times in our lives where we think anxiety experience it and it seems pretty reasonable right so what is paul saying is he really saying do not be anxious about anything at all that's really the question and here's what i want to say uh he's actually not quite saying that and and and, and i want to explain why uh it's actually helpful to hear know what's going on in the original greek text the paul the word paul uses for anxious in greek is the word miram now miram now now and uh While it's hard to capture this in English translations, in Greek, words are written in a tense. Like, there's a little bit more information that's in every word. And actually, this word, now is in the active, present tense. What does that mean? Well, it means that this anxiety isn't like just a a regular run-of-the-mill, everyday kind of anxiety that comes and goes with different situations, like I've got a big day tomorrow, I'm worried about the test, or this big meeting, right? That's really not that that situational kind of anxiety that's talking about. This is more of an anxiety that is active in our lives and, and present in our lives. Really, some good words would be ongoing, constantly there. This is the kind of anxiety that really captures us and, and takes us away. And that's different, right? That's a different kind of anxiety than just this general concept of anxiety. What, what Paul is really referring to is the anxiety that can lead us to places that are not great for ourselves. Like this is the kind of anxiety that introduces uncertainty into every thought that you have and, and really stirs up your fears. About, about what could happen, right? This is the kind of anxiety that because we're, we're so concerned about this thing, we end up doing things that we shouldn't or we end up not doing the things that we should. That kind of paralyzes us or moves us to seek help in a place that we shouldn't. And, and that's really what I think Paul is talking about. It's not just any anxiety. It's the kind of anxiety that, that, that isn't good for us, uh, that, that, that really gets the best of us. And I think what Paul is saying, if I could rewrite this verse in very plain, uh, interpreted language, you don't have to be that kind of anxious about anything. That's really what he's saying. Don't be that kind of anxious about anything. This is actually a, a, a verse that should inspire hope in us. That we don't have to be that kind of anxious about anything, which is where he goes next. But before I get there, what I want to do, I think it's important for me to stop and and say this. By implication of what we read in verse 6, I think this is true. Anxiety is not a sin. Okay, I I think a lot of us uh, bear the weight feeling every time we're anxious, like we're sinning and we're falling short. I don't think that that's actually true. I think that's actually implied by what's going on here. In, in, in this verse, uh, anxiety isn't in and of itself a sin, but what it can do is it can lead us to sin. Does that make sense? Anxiety isn't a sin, but it can lead us to miss God's mark, to fall short of what God wants for us. And and anxiety doesn't have to do that, right? Uh, it may be present, but it doesn't have to actively, presently take us to places we ought not to go. And And what I think is really happening in this passage is Paul I- is saying uh, what matters is what you do with your anxiety. What really matters is how you respond to the anxiety that you're experiencing. Don't let that anxiety l- lead you into sin. And, 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 and again, let me say, say it, uh, I don't think anxiety is a sin. And it's not just this verse here in this one spot. There's a lot of things that actually make me think anxiety isn't a sin. Here's, here's one. Uh, uh, anxiety, in one way, is really just an emotion. You know that? Uh, some things make us happy. We have that emotional response. Some things make us sad. We have that emotional response. Some other things make us anxious. And that is an emotional response that uh, just kind of is there, right? Um, when uh, it, it's just how we feel further, there are situations where anxiety actually can be good for us, right? It's actually a fair bit of research that suggests uh, certain appropriate levels of anxiety focus us, make us sharper, get us to do the things that we really ought to do. Like for example, um, when you're a parent and you notice that your uh, group of young children uh, uh, are playing next to a busy street, there's an appropriate level of anxiety that happens in your life when you see that, right? That's a good thing. If your kids aren't concerned about the street, that's a problem, right? You want them to have some anxiety about about that. Here's another thing, another example. Um, if there's a good chance that you could be losing your job, like like a real chance, there's, there's a healthy, appropriate kind of anxiety that can accompany that. Not one that makes you cry chicken little and lose all hope and go doing things you shouldn't to deal with the fears you're experiencing. No, an anxiety that, um, that instead uh, says, okay, here's the reality. Maybe I need to start looking and pursuing some other options because this is about to change, right? Anxiety can actually lead us there at appropriate levels. It's good. Here's another reason um, I don't think anxiety is necessarily a sin. This is actually maybe the biggest reason because Jesus had anxiety. Uh, there's actually at least one instance of the Bible, in the Bible, where Jesus had anxiety. Let me step back. There is a group of Christian people who, um, who think that if we really were trusting God, we would never be anxious, right? We would simply always have this incredible trust and this overwhelming peace, knowing that God's in control and we'd be okay no matter what is, is going on with us. I think there's some truth uh, in that, I really do think. Learning to surrender control to God is one of the keys to dealing with anxiety, but I don't think it's fully true. I only think it's partially true. And one of the things that throws the wrench in it is Jesus' experience of anxiety. Multiple times in the Scripture, we actually read that Jesus was sinless. He was—he lived a perfect life. He got it. He, he was who we should emulate. And uh, and and at the same time, there's a story where he experiences tremendous anxiety. Maybe you're familiar with it. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Are you guys, uh, does that story come to mind? Did it come from, if, if you're not familiar, uh, Jesus is, uh, uh, anxiety can also come when your phone goes off during the service. You guys are good. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, Jesus is there in the garden before, um, before he's about to, to be arrested, before he's about to suffer and be flogged and in pain, before he's, about to go die on the cross. And the night before all that happens, he goes to this garden to pray. And what we read is that when he was there, the Matthew's gospel said he was deeply troubled. It says he was in anguish. In Luke's gospel, it says Jesus was so worked up, I quote this, his sweat was like drops of blood pouring from his body, right? Y- y'all, if drops of blood pouring from your body, sweat like drops of blood pouring from your body is not anxiety. I don't know what is. And yet Jesus experienced it and he never sinned, right? So, so not all anxiety, anxiety is in, a, in and of itself a sin. It can lead us to sin. And that is such an important thing to understand. And, and here is what I would suggest is a much more helpful way to think about anxiety. Anxiety is really a symptom. Anxiety is a symptom of something else. It's not a sin, it's a symptom, a sign that something else isn't quite right in our hearts and our minds, and we need to give it attention. Here's an analogy that I heard that was very helpful for me. Anxiety is kind of like the check engine light that comes on in your car, right? When you see that, what do you do? Well, most of us ignore it for quite a long time. But, um, but what are you supposed to do, right? You're supposed to attend to something in that vehicle because you know it's telling you something's not right. In, in the same way, anxiety is kind of like a check engine light that shows up in our lives and says, uh, David, you need to go get under the hood of your life and figure out what's going on there and, and deal with it. And, um, and, and, and that being true, let me suggest a really important question we should learn to ask ourselves. Why am I anxious? That's such an important question. W- when, when we know we're anxious, or maybe when someone says, hey, what's up with you? Why are you doing what you're doing, right? Sometimes that's a gift. What we need to do is, is say, what's going on? Why, why am I stressed out and worked up? You know, wh- wh- what is happening? Because what we then are able to do is find out what this anxiety is a symptom of. We can go to the source. And and what I think would be helpful, actually, is for me to name a couple of common sources of anxiety because uh, everybody's unique, but there are some that are very standard among all of us humans. Uh, and most of us will see ourselves in here somewhere. Here's here's one. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Uh, how many little kids get anxiety on the first day of school? Lots. Uh my Johnny had had a very scary first day of kindergarten uh, for him this last year. He's fine. But um, he was very anxious. How many of us adults get anxious when we step into new situations and we're not quite sure what to expect? Right? I don't know any of these people. I don't know what's going to happen there. You know, uh, stepping into a church for the first time can be a pretty anxious situation for a lot of people. What are they going to do? What are they going to ask me to do? Are they going to make me stand in the middle of the service and say my name, right? Like there, there's, there's some things. Uh, and, and when w- sometimes I think what's also related to this is a desire for control, right? That's a source of, of anxiety here. Um, but we, when, when we want control and we don't have it, that's when anxiety can really get going. And for some of us, uh, when we're not sure what to expect, what happens is we start to imagine everything that could go wrong. Right? Um, and, and this is why some of us will never travel abroad. This is why some of us don't even like trying new food, because we don't know what to expect. We fear the unknown. Um, here's another one fear of failure. Fear of failure. This is, this is a big one um, for a lot of people, and I include myself in this category. Uh, I see myself here. I don't like failing. I think I've shared this before. You'll probably hear it again. I don't like failing. Um, I don't like the cost of failing. While I know that failure is an essential ingredient to success, I still really prefer my successes without any notable failures, right? Who doesn't, right? So what I will do is uh, I will step into situations and try to think it through as much as I can to try to avoid all failure, to try to go through as unscathed as possible. And... um, and what, what it does is it drives me terribly anxious sometimes. Sometimes you can't get through situations without, without failure. Sometimes if you turn it over in your head over and over and over again, you just find yourself in the same place, uh, worried about whether or not you're going to make the right decision, and you'll never know. And, uh, and, and I know that that makes me anxious, and I've also noticed that it can kind of drive the people around me bonkers when I refuse to move forward because I'm anxious about something. That's another common source of anxiety. Giants on our shoulders. This is another one, and it, uh, I'm borrowing that term from a guy named Steve Cuss who talked about it. These are the people in our lives who who s- have significant influence over us and we respect, and uh, and w- and their voices and thoughts and opinions we kind of carry with us. Um, I'm going to share a story here. I mentioned Johnny was, uh, my son Johnny was rather anxious at his first day of school this last year. Shannon and I were Uh, You know, the night before saying, Johnny, are you okay? Are you ready? Maybe it was two nights. And he just started crying. He was so upset. And we were like, Johnny, what's wrong? And we said, are you, are you worried about school? He goes, yeah. I said, what, what are you worried about? And he said, (laughs) he said, Jesse and Jared told me I was going to get a Z minus on the first day of school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brothers, right? Uh, Golly. (laughs) <laughs> Giants on your shoulders, right? Jesse and Jer, uh, welcome to a pastor's house, right? Um, but uh, that was a little bit of a more, you know, they were trying to be a little mean. I don't think they understood what they were doing. But a lot of times, like those people that we love and respect, we really give a lot of weight to what they say. And and that's really what it's saying is when there's some tension, when we're worried we're going to disappoint them, uh, we we feel that and it comes out in anxiety. For example, I had a friend at university who, um, whose parents uh, since he was a kid said, we want you to be a doctor. We want you to be a doctor. And all the way through high school, he prepared to be a doctor. Uh, when he got to university, he went into pre-med. He, his parents paid for his university so he could be a doctor. And about his sophomore year, he realized he really didn't want to be a doctor. And so uh, I remember just talking to him, being so concerned about this conversation he was going to have with his parents, how they're going to respond. He carried around a ton of anxiety through it, even after he told them he felt that. And and that's a really significant form of anxiety many of us experience. Here's here's another one: uh, relationship tension. Tension that we have in relationships uh, when we are upset at someone or maybe even more so when we fear someone is upset at us, that really can cause a lot of anxiety. Um, You know, uh, when Shannon, my wife, and I are having an argument and we haven't yet worked through it, uh, that gets me pretty anxious. (laughs) I really prefer my wife to be happy. um, And maybe even more than that, I really prefer my wife to be happy with me. Right? Isn't there a saying about that? Happy wife, happy. Yes. Um, no comment. Um, but when 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 we're not right with one another, I think I experience anxiety worse than anything else. It is it is it's not good. And uh, and I'm really not right until we have made peace. And and that is just one example of relational anxiety that I think can show up all over our lives, not just with a spouse, but with a friend who we had a disagreement over, with uh, a coworker who said something, made a comment that we didn't quite understand what they meant by that, with, um, with uh, a child who you're just not hitting and not communicating with, like, like relational anxiety can show up in all sorts of places, and, and it, it's really quite significant. And there are certainly other forms of anxiety But I want to share with you the good news is whatever the source, um, once you're able to name it, once you're able to say, this is why I'm anxious, you know what the good news is? Then you can deal with it. Then you can actually respond to it. And and more importantly, where this passage takes us, it says, now that you know why you're anxious, you can give it to God in prayer and, and, and you can experience some peace in your mind, and your heart. You can be guarded in Christ Jesus because you are now taking this anxiety and you're giving it to God in prayer. And that's where, what I want us to see. Um, let me read the verse one more time. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, do what? Present your request to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, Notice the movement that's happening there in in this verse. Here you are, anxious about something. Do not be anxious about anything. But, right, but do what? Pray. Prayer is is the thing that that adds the but. It, it, It stops it. It throws a wrench in the anxiety. It says, you're in this cycle, but here's what you need to do. You need to come out of it. You need to recognize it. You name the source, and then you you pray. And that's really what's happening, what Paul is saying. This is how you respond faithfully to anxiety. You learn to, to pray. You learn to disrupt it by prayer. And just let me give you an example to kind of make this uh, a little bit more real. Um, imagine that you're somewhere in your daily life, your regular daily life. You're sitting at home on the couch uh, having a rest. You are... Um, uh, in the kitchen, you are with uh, your kids in the car, uh, you are somewhere at work, you're where you regularly are and you're sitting there and you're worried, you're concerned, you're sitting there cycling through some fear, you, you've got some anxiety that's there and, and what, ha- what happens, you're, you're lost, like you know it, you've been there, all of us have. Suddenly, the phone rings and you pick it up and you look and it says, the Apostle Paul, right there. He's calling you, the Apostle Paul. What? That's crazy, right? And you, see you go, what? The Apostle calls, And you say, and you go, uh, hello? And the Apostle Paul goes, hey, David. And you go, hey, uh, is this Paul? He goes, yeah, yeah, how are you doing, David? And you're like, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing okay, Apostle Paul. <laughs> and, and he goes, no, there's something in your voice, right? You're not okay, are you, David? And and I go, no, Apostle Paul, maybe not. Maybe I'm, I'm not feeling great right now. Uh, what's bothering you, David? He says, you say, well, I'm a little anxious about something. Something's bothering me. He goes, oh, okay. Guess what, David? Do not be anxious about that thing, but why don't we go ahead and pray? Why don't we over the phone right now? Why don't you let me pray for you? That's what the verse does. That is a ridiculous example. And it was funnier than the amount you guys actually laughed. But um, <laughs> uh, that, that is actually an illustration of, I think, what this passage is trying to do. Uh, what, it, what it's suggesting ought to happen. Because have you guys ever had a person say, why don't we stop right now and pray? Why don't, why don't we stop being concerned or complaining and, and let's actually pray? It's, it's an incredible experience. It changes things. Um, I uh, not too long ago, I was expressing some concern. Maybe you could describe it uh, as complaining to somebody, and uh, and this person said, "You know what? Why don't we just go ahead and pray right now?" And I was like, I had lots of thoughts and feelings in that moment after they said that. One, I w- honestly, I was embarrassed, right? Because I'm the pastor. And they just kind of out-pastored me, right? Um, and that, that's a unique experience I get to have sometimes. But I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay. That sounds like a good idea, praying, <laughs> right? Second thing, I, I don't think I realized this in the moment, but uh, in retrospect, I actually think I wanted to say no. I think that I didn't want to pray uh, b- because I kind of liked complaining, this was a way of coping that, that many of us are familiar with. Uh, it's comfortable. In some ways, it is easier than facing the things that are actually bothering us. But um, thankfully, uh, this pastor uh, said, okay, let's pray, and we did it. And, uh, and you know what? It really, really helped. It stopped the, the concern and the complaining that I had. It, it took me out of my head. And, and it really did, uh, I kind of moved past this thing. When I prayed, I remembered uh, what we talked about last week, that God was sovereign, that he was in control, that even if I wasn't able to see what I wanted to see, uh, God, God had this. It was going to be okay. I was able to, in prayer, surrender some of that control to, to God, and it was good. It helped. And y'all, that's what I want you to hear. That's what Paul is saying. When you're anxious what you need to do is stop and pray pray anxiety isn't just a symptom of something else it's a signal that what we need to do is stop and pray when that check engine light turns on what you do is you stop and you pray you take this vehicle back to the maker who made it and you say lord help me look under the hood and see what's going on and you name it and 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 you pray right and um And uh, how how should you pray? Really, this is the the thing that Paul kind of goes to next in this verse. And you might have noticed he uses two words for prayer and petition, right? He uses two words for prayer, prayer and petition. And the first one, prayer, if you like look at it, it's really just the general word for prayer, prayer, prayer. You remember that the Lord is near. You remember that God hears your prayers and you're having a conversation with him. It's the second word, petition, that really directs how we do it and 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 is kind of helpful. Um, what is a petition? Well, you guys know this is the thing that uh, somebody in your high school class got upset about something and got a whole bunch of signatures on a page and took it to your principal, and then the principal said thank you and did nothing about it, right? <laughs> the good news is uh, with, with this kind of petition, we have someone who is much more likely and is going to respond, But but the idea is that with a petition, what you're doing is you're making what you want known and you in the humble position are speaking to a authority uh, and asking them for this specific thing to happen. Another way that that word petition gets translated is supplication. Maybe you've heard that. That's also helpful because it really emphasizes the hum- humble position of the one doing the praying. A su- supplication pr- implies there is a supplicant. The noun version. And, and if you look it up, one of the dictionary examples I saw was the little brother who wants to go in the treehouse that the older sister is in control of. And so he, he, the, he's the supplicant and he offers a supplication Sis, can I come up in the tree? She's got all the power, right? But he's naming what he wants. That's kind of the picture of, of what we're doing with God. We have no power. We cannot tell God what we're going to do, what he's going to do, what God's going to do, but we can say to God, hey, this is my request. And then we make known that request to God. We name specifically what is the thing that we want God to do. And, um, and let me say, it's not, the idea here is not that we just make a general pr- prayer, Lord, help me right now. I'm anxious. Uh, petition really implies something specific. There's a specific request that you're making known to God. Tell God the particulars of the problem. When Jesus saw uh, a blind man and the blind man called out to him, Jesus, help me. It would have seemed obvious what the blind man wanted, right? He was blind. He wanted his sight. But what we actually see in that story is Jesus says, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Why? Because in naming that, there was something that happened in the blind man's heart and mind where, where God was able to work. And that's really what God wants to do when we offer a more specific prayer because specific prayer is actionable, right? Th- that's one of the things that you're able to see happen when you pray in specific ways. Say I say to you, hey, man, it'd be great together. It'd be great to get together sometime. Why don't we go out to lunch? Uh, have you guys had that conversation before? How many of you actually went out to lunch with that person? Doesn't happen so often, right? What do you have to do to go to lunch? Say, hey, what are you doing this Thursday at noon? How does Killins sound, right? That's something that's much more actionable, right? Uh, and by the way, I'm free Thursday at noon if you want to go to Killins. That sounds great. But uh, when, you, when you say to God specifically, I want some peace in this situation. I want you to, to help me find peace, right? You're not just saying help. You're saying, this is what I want, peace. And then what God can do is kind of, look into your heart and mind, help you understand what's going on and lead you in ways that, that, that would lead you towards peace. There's a specific request. There's a specific response. And a lot of times, this is the second thing that's important about prayer, is it's not so much that God needs to know. It's that we aren't in touch with what we really need. And when we pray specific prayers, we're forcing ourselves to get in touch with what we really need God to do in our lives. If I pray to God, I'm having problems with some person, some relationship, and I say, God, help me with this person, God might know what I need in this situation, but guess what? I still don't. I'm just sitting in that same anxiety. I don't, I don't know how to get out of this. I just know that I want help. If instead I learn to pray like this, Lord, I'm frustrated with what this person did to me a month ago. And I'm struggling to forgive them. I want to avoid them. And I also think they don't like me. That's something that God can start to deal with, isn't it? Right? That's something where God can get into what's going on. And and you can see it for yourself. You've named it. You You can kind of even objectively move it outside of yourselves and see this is how I need to pray in this situation. Right? If that's what you're dealing with, you can pray, Lord, help me to forgive this person or show me what is holding back my unforgiveness, right? That's an important prayer. God answers that prayer. You can pray, Lord, please help me calm my fear that this person doesn't like me, right? Or you can pray, God, let me accept that this person doesn't like me very much right now, right? That's a specific prayer. And when you name it, you're actually going to calm the anxiety that you're experiencing. I want to finish today by teaching you guys a way to pray specifically that has been unbelievably helpful for me during the years. And um, actually, three years ago, I taught uh, the small group that was Redeemer uh, this. I don't know how many of you remember it, um, but uh, it's called Palms Down, Palms Up Prayer. And the way it works is when you find yourself in an anxious moment, when there's something that's bothering you, when you know the source of it, you stop Right? Do not be anxious about anything, but pray. And, and you pray. And that's what you're doing. And so you stop and you actually begin with your hands down like this. And what it is in symbolic of is you letting go, it's you releasing, it's you giving things away. And you pray that specific thing that you need help with Lord, uh, I give you my worry and concern about being laid off from this job. Lord, I give you my worry and concern about the test results that I'm about to get. Lord, I give you the worry and concern and the stress that I have about my daughter and the fact that she's not talking to me right now, right? I don't know what to do, but I give it to you, right? And what you do is, what I find helpful to do is actually sit there and wait for a minute. And after I've named those things, and sometimes it's a lot of things like that uh, you you don't rush through it you just sit there and sometimes you even feel like a release as you say it you even feel like a sense that you're letting that go and then um, after you've given that sufficient time what you do is you turn your hands up the other direction uh, palms go up and this is symbolic of receiving from god and so what you do is you say lord I receive from you the fact that you are in control and you love me and you're always with me and things are gonna be okay even if I lose my job, right? I receive from you peace. Like, Lord, I know uh, that this test could be very bad, but I receive from you uh, an ability not to get worried about what's gonna happen to me or my wife or my kids, but uh, an ability to trust you however this looks going forward, right? Lord, I receive from you, uh, I I want from you, uh, a conversation with my daughter that's helpful where we can start to actually get to some of the stuff that we need to talk about. You see how that works? And you sit there and you name those things and then after a while you say thank you and you move on from that anxiety. And what I'd like to do actually is finish uh, praying together like that so if you guys uh, would would you please stand <coughs> and uh, what I'd like to do is is kind of lead you through this prayer I imagine every single one of us has something that we could give to the Lord right now something that might be in our minds immediately or something that that is close by and and so what I want you to do is name it and work through it and I'm, I'm going to move us through this prayer okay all right let's start with our hands down Lord Jesus, uh, we are worried about many things. There are things in our lives that bother us. There are things we don't have control over. There are things that are cycling around our minds, and we we want it to stop. We want your peace. Lord, we, we do not want to be anxious about this thing, Lord, but we want to give it to you now. Uh, we want to, let go of it now we want to surrender it to you now and i encourage you to name that thing that's on your mind right now all right turn your hands up lord you are the giver of every good and perfect gift and we speak those things that, that we are asking from you right now. We are making our request known to you. We are specifically saying the things that, that we seek, that we want, and I'd encourage you to do that right now. Lord, we rejoice in who you are and your goodness and your grace and your sovereignty. And again, we, 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 we rejoice, Lord. Let uh, the gentleness that you offer us be evident to all. Help us to remember that, Lord, you are near. Lord, let us not be anxious about anything. Let us not be overcome by anxiety about anything. But, Lord, let us stop that cycle. Let us disrupt it. Uh, and by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let us make our request made known to you help us to remember to do that as we go forward this week as we move forward in our lives lord and and what we ask for more than anything is that we would experience in you uh, as we deal with the anxieties that come we would have a deep seated peace that transcends all understandings in our hearts that guards us that guards our hearts and our mind in christ jesus and, and, Lord, I pray that we would fix our minds on whatever is good and noble and right, whatever is true, whatever is admirable. Lord, the things that are excellent and praiseworthy, would you help us to put our minds there? We pray these things.